Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on June 19, 2016, on the basis of Mark chapter 4, verses 16 through 24. We communicate a great deal using nothing more than body language. You knew that already, right? And yet maybe what we don't always think about, what we don't always realize, is that that statement is actually true in more ways than one. You see, sure, on the one hand, without using any words at all, I can communicate a great deal to you simply by going like this. Or by going like this. Or by going like this. Of course, that's true, right? Body language says a great deal. But on the other hand, Even when we do use our words to communicate, do you realize how often we do that by actually describing various types of body language? So for example, let's say you're in a negotiation with someone where each side wants to have it it their way, and you say, I'm putting my foot down. You don't mean you're literally going to put your foot down on anything. You simply mean that you are insisting on having things your way. If you're talking to somebody about how your children reacted when you told them the wonderful news that you would be taking a trip to Disney World and you say that they jumped for joy, you simply mean that they were really excited, right? You don't actually mean that they showed you the height of their leaping ability. If you go off to a a new job and come home from that first day at work and you tell your spouse that the employees welcomed you with open arms, You just mean that they were very friendly, right? Not that any actual hugs were exchanged. And finally, if you ever are in a situation where you are so frustrated that you just want to throw up your hands and walk away, you mean, well, what do you mean when you use that expression? See, that's kind of the the feeling and the posture that we want to talk a little bit about today. When, when nothing seems to be working, when all attempts seem to have failed, when the outcome seems very, very grim, and when those feelings of helplessness and hopelessness are mounting to such a degree that you just feel as though all you can do is throw up your hands and walk away. Do you think it's fair to say that, that more and more people, and maybe even especially Christians, are approaching life with that feeling and that posture. Maybe you're even one of them. Whether it's the economy or unemployment rates or politics or terrorism or mass murders or declining morality, you can hardly blame someone for having those feelings of hopelessness and helplessness, for just saying, what's the use? What's the point? Nothing seems to work. Nothing seems to make a difference. If you ever feel that way, then the word of God that's in front of us today is exactly what we need to hear. See, Jesus tells his followers, he tells us as Christians, he tells us as a church, that he is sending us out into the world with some incredible power. Power that he is placing right in the palm of of our hands, power that makes us ideally equipped to make a tremendous impact and have tremendous influence in our world today. In fact, power that that when we realize what it truly is, 
power that will inevitably impact our posture. Power that makes the last thing we would ever do to to just throw up our hands feeling helpless and hopeless. Helpless and hopeless is probably a pretty good description of how the people of Israel had felt for hundreds and hundreds of years. In fact, for more than three whole centuries, the nation of Israel had not enjoyed independence. For the last 300 years, they had been passed around like a political pawn in the chess game going on in the Mediterranean world. Nations like Greece and Egypt and Syria had all controlled Israel at one time or another, and now, in Jesus' day, they were under the control of the Roman Empire. And yet, as bleak as things had looked for so very long, recently there had been some reason for optimism. There was this new leader that was gaining attention and making a splash. Rumor had it that he could perform miracles. If you'd ever been to one of his rallies, you knew that he was a very powerful public speaker. More and more people were beginning to think that maybe Jesus was the one who could restore Israel to glory. In fact, the Gospel writer Mark tells us that on the day that Jesus spoke these words, there were so many people who wanted to hear the things that he said that he actually had to get in this boat go a little bit of a ways out into the water so that he could see and address the entire crowd as they stood on the shore. Like any great leader, Jesus wasn't going to let this wonderful opportunity slip through his fingers. And so as as he addressed the crowd, he told a series of parables, a series of stories, including the two that are in front of us today. And in each and every parable, he let them know that what they had seen so far was just the start just the beginning. In fact, you might say he laid out his entire campaign strategy for how the kingdom that he had come to this earth to establish would grow and expand and get more and more powerful and more and more influential and would really change the world forever. Jesus was going to accomplish this by putting something very powerful in the hands of his followers. Something so incredibly powerful that it was a lot like that. Like seed. Do you think when they heard that, they were maybe a little bit less than excited? You're you're sending us out to change the world, Jesus, with, with seed? Here's what Jesus was getting at. You see, normally in this life, if you want to spread an idea if you want to have influence, if you want to change the way an entire society thinks about something and and win over limitless numbers of followers, there are kind of typical strategies, typical methods that you would employ. You might make use of very forceful, very powerful words. You might design and orchestrate this entire well-designed media campaign. You might even try and make use of the influence that you can have with money or with power or force or even violence. But Jesus knew that the idea that he came into this world to spread, the idea that he came to proclaim, really the heart and core of Christianity is an idea that is so unique, in fact, so contrary to our natural human sensibilities that the normal way of spreading ideas simply wouldn't work. 
The message of Christianity is so different and so unique that it must, by its very definition, be spread in a way that defies explanation. Sort of like the way this tiny, brown, lifeless-looking seed can turn into a strong, green, healthy plant. Here's what Jesus said. He said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. The message of Christianity is so unique, so different, so contrary to our natural sensibilities that it must, by its very definition, spread in an unconventional, inexplicable way. Let me give you a a quick example of this. So obviously the thing that has occupied everyone's attention over the course of the last week is what happened down in Orlando last Sunday. And of course, when something like this happens in our country, we can't just mourn it as the tragedy that it is. We need to argue about it and argue about what caused it, how it could have been stopped, whose fault it is. And so we argue about whether it was a hate crime or whether it was terrorism or whether it was just another example of how we need more gun control in our country. Think about that. You've got three of the most politically charged issues in our country right now all rolled up into one single event. And so you could literally have any one of dozens of different viewpoints about what happened in Orlando and why it happened. And of course, during the course of the last week, you've seen and you've heard those ideas spread, all kinds of different viewpoints being advanced and spread in the ways that ideas are normally spread. And yet there is one point of view about what happened in Orlando that is so different and so unique that none of those conventional methods would possibly work. You see, every other viewpoint about what happened in Orlando has one important thing in common. It puts the 50 people who were involved into two different groups. One group of 49 and one group of one. The victims and the shooter. The innocent and the guilty. Makes sense, right? And yet there is one important point of view, the the kingdom of God point of view, that puts all 50 people together. Last week in Orlando, there were 50 people who all were born into this world sinful and inherently self-centered, who over the course of their lives rebelled against God in countless different ways and who as a result deserved from God not only a, a physical death here on earth but ultimately eternal death in hell. All 50, just like you, and just like me. At the same time, last week in Orlando, there were 50 people who were loved eternally and unconditionally by God. So much so that in order to spare those 50 people from what they deserved, God actually gave to Jesus what they deserved instead. 50 people for whom Jesus lived. 50 people for whom Jesus died, 
50 people for whom Jesus' resurrection was proof that their sins had been paid for and that eternal life was God's free gift to them. All 50, just like you, just like me. Which, by the way, makes the real tragedy of the event that any of them would have died not knowing that, not believing that, not benefiting from that. You want to get some crazy looks? Say that. You want to have some people maybe unfriend you on Facebook? Post something like that. That kingdom of God perspective is so unique and so contrary to our natural sensibilities that the normal explanation for how ideas get spread and how people come to believe those ideas simply won't work. The only reason you or I or anyone else would ever believe things like that is through the inexplicable influence of the plain, simple preaching and teaching of God's word, the simple messages of law and gospel. Through the seed of God's word, the otherwise impossible happens. As one Christian author put it, people come to believe on the one hand, that they are far more sinful than they ever would have imagined, and yet at the same time far more loved and far more accepted by God in Christ Jesus than they ever dreamed was possible. That's what the Word of God does. That's the faith that it works in people's hearts. That's what both of these parables have in common. They talk about a seed doing that incredible work. And friends, if that's the case, if the seed of the word of God really does that, do you know the impact that seed can have in our world? Do you know the good that it can bring? This is actually where the the parables sort of differ. Both of them start out with a single seed, but in each parable that seed leads to a different type of plant. In the first parable, it's a seed that grows up into a wheat plant or maybe a corn plant. It's a seed that's planted in a farmer's field. And so it grows up out of the ground, it becomes ripe, and eventually it is harvested. In other words, the seed of the word of God, first of all, produces Christians who are ready for the harvest. See, as we take the word of God out into our world, it is not our goal to get everyone to think exactly like we do. It is not our goal to get everyone to vote for the same candidate for president as we do. It is not to build a group of people who all see things exactly the same way. It is to get people ready for the harvest. It is so that when Jesus comes back, as many people as possible would be gathered as wheat into God's barn to be with him forever, rather than cast out to the fire like weeds. I think you'd agree that's a much more important goal, right? And that's a much greater impact that we could possibly have in a person's life. And again, the only thing that's going to make it happen is the seed of the word of God. In the second parable, the seed turns into a mustard tree. 
A tree that is so big and so strong that when the birds of the air are out there flying around all day on a warm sunny day like today, when they get tired and worn out and are looking for shade and looking for shelter, they can actually perch in its branches. So Jesus is saying that not only does the seed of the word of God produce Christians who are ready for the harvest, it also, provide, it also produces churches who can give rest to the weary. See, yes, there are all kinds of people out in our world today. In fact, this sometimes even describes us. People that are out there kind of flying around like birds, looking for happiness, looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places deviating from God's good and wise plan and pursuing a path of their own. So what do you think is going to happen when that path of their own choosing inevitably comes to its dead end? When they're tired and worn out and looking for rest, looking for shade, well, where will they turn? Will they turn to the kind of church that encouraged them to go down that path in the first place? Absolutely not. Will they turn to the kind of church that has been condemning and criticizing them with harsh and unloving words the whole time? Absolutely not. They might turn to the type of church that is full of people who has known all along and who has been saying all along that all of us are far more sinful than we ever imagined and far more loved and accepted by God in Christ Jesus than we ever could have dreamed. They might look for rest there. And again, the only thing that can make it happen is the powerful seed of the word of God. So friends, if, if all of that is true, how will you go out into the world today? If God really has placed that power right there in the palm of your hands, how will that power affect your posture? Will you go out into the world feeling hopeless and helpless? Of course not. When we realize the power that God has placed in our hands, the last thing that we would ever do is throw up our hands and want to walk away. But instead of throwing up those hands, when we realize the power we have in our hands, we'll open up those hands. As workers and friends and neighbors and classmates and sons and daughters and husbands and wives and moms and dads, we'll simply take that seed and very calmly and very confidently sow and sow and sow and sow. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.